0: All right. Hello, Christ community. Glad all of you are here. Greetings to our traditions venue and our friends in LaSalle and everyone who's joining us online. Um, man, I love I love our church and I love all that God is doing in and through us. One of the questions that I'm often asked um, is how I decide what topics to to. Preach on in the teaching series that we do. I know some pastors who lay out a whole year schedule. Um, other pastors get you know topics from other churches or whatever, which is all great. But for me, it is almost always something that God begins to lay on my heart for our congregation something that I I have this strong sense that God is wanting us to grow in and to experience like the still series that was all something I really felt like God had on his heart for us so what God has recently been laying on my heart for us as a church is the area of financial generosity over the past several years, we have been a very generous church pouring into our community and into our world in some amazing ways. And we want to continue to be that kind of a church. But we all know, we all know that this doesn't happen, it doesn't just happen automatically. I mean, just like the idea of stillness doesn't happen, you know, solitude doesn't just happen, generosity is also kind of a, it really is a, a countercultural reality. Um, what comes most naturally to me, and the most of us here is not automatically greater levels of, of generosity, right? If left on my own, I will just spend more and more money on myself. But when we do that, we, we miss out on some amazing things that God wants to do in our hearts and lives. And some amazing things that he wants to do in and through us as a church to impact others for him. The reality is we as a church family are in a season where our ministry opportunities are increasing locally and around the world. A growing youth ministry, an increased number of international training institutes in more and more countries are for the city network that's bringing resources and partnerships together to impact our city. I mean, the ministry opportunities are exciting and they're expanding, but our giving is not really keeping pace with that reality. And because we're a family here, I want us to take three weeks. We're going to take three weeks, and we're going to let God speak to our hearts about this area. And look, I know, I know, sermons on giving often result in this collective but silent inward groan uh, and a decision to maybe miss church for the next three weeks. Uh, but, but as your pastor, I am specifically asking you to stay engaged for these three weeks, and to not let yourself dismiss this topic, but instead to courageously let God speak to you in this area, because I believe the result is not only going to have a huge impact for all that God wants to do in and through Christ's community, the huge impact is going to be in our hearts and lives as well. The next three weeks could have a profound impact on your experience of life And blessing. I really believe that. And the reason I believe that is because God's word so clearly declares this. In planning this three week series, what I did was I thought about the three passages in the Bible where it describes. God's desire, not just to bless us, it, they describe God's desire to bless us abundantly. We're talking about over-the-top blessing. I mean, seriously, the language he uses in these three passages is crazy. One of them talks about God opening up the floodgates of heaven so that we have so much blessing we don't have room for it. That's next week's passage. We'll look at it next week. Another one talks about God, how God is able to bless you abundantly and bless, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I mean, that's the third week. And today, we're looking at some words from Jesus promising blessings that are pressed down, shaken together, running over, and being poured into your lap. I am not making this up. Every one of these passages gives these off the charts description of God's blessing, of God blessing us. And here's what all three of these passages have in common. They are all talking about financial generosity. In each of these passages, these abundant blessings of God are promised to those who who are financially generous toward God and his kingdom work. Now, look, I've been around the block a few times, okay? You know, I know passages, these passages have been abused. I know they've been misused to swindle sincere people out of money to help fund private jets for ministry. Uh, Some of you have seen loved ones sending money to televangelists who promise material blessings in return. You know, a prosperity gospel that that turns giving into kind of this formula for wealth. I can't strongly enough state how fully I reject that teaching and how grieved I am over the damage it has done. But we cannot cut these passages out of the Bible just because they've been abused, right? (laughs) We can't. These passages are here, and they are still God's word to us. They each describe this amazing promise to us from God that he pours out abundant blessing in response to our generosity. Now, the place where people have gone wonky on this is, 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 is the, the, the they narrowly define what blessing looks like, right? They narrowly define what blessing looks like. I mean, each of these these, these abundant pas- these these passages that speak of abundant blessings, they're not necessarily talking about financial blessings. The blessings God promises include blessings of life and joy and peace and freedom and f- freedom from fear and contentment and on and on and on. These are the blessings that, God, that, are, that are promised by God in these passages. And they all are a direct result of us choosing to practice financial generosity. So in these next three weeks, we're going to look at each one of these passages individually, because each one offers a a cool, unique angle on this subject. Each one offers a specific way to actually grow in our experience of generosity, a specific practice, just like we talked about in the Still series. We don't change, we don't grow in any of our spiritual lives without practice, just like that putting things into action. The same thing is true in this area of our lives. And so we're gonna gonna look at each one of these practices over the next three weeks. And I'm telling you, again, no matter where you're at in this whole area, I'm telling you, if you let God speak to your heart and you choose to practice what these passages teach, blessings are headed your way. That's what God promises. Okay, so today, we're going to look at the first passage. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 6, um, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. So let's read this out loud together. Here we go. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you. This is God's word. Okay, notice the language Jesus uses. He doesn't say give because you're supposed to or give because that's what my followers are supposed to do. No, no, he 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 makes a promise. He says give and it will be given to you in abundant measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. This was an agricultural analogy, right? If you brought a basket to receive grain from, from someone, you'd make sure that as that grain's coming in, you'd make sure that it was pressed down and then shaken together so there were no gaps or whatever, and then running over, right? Running over so that the, it just flows over the edges of your bucket and falls into your lap. That's the picture that Jesus is describing as it relates to financial generosity. Jesus is saying the key... That a key to experiencing the overflowing, abundant blessings of God is to be a generous person. Give. In fact, Jesus states this even more strongly in the last phrase. Look at this. He says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, think about what he's saying. Abundant blessings from God are available to us. Joy, peace, freedom, all of that. But our experience of those abundance blessings. Our experience of abundance of that life completely depends on the measurement we use to give to God, which raises this obvious question. What measure are you using in your giving to God? A thimble, a shot glass, (laughs) a cup, or maybe a bucket, a bushel basket, a dump truck? I mean, whatever measure we use, that's the measure by which we're able to receive God's abundant blessings to us. See, we determine the level of blessing. That's what he's saying here. We determine the extent, the level of blessing. Now, I know this sounds kind of harsh. It may sound kind of harsh, but, but, they, but it's not. When you realize that giving is a heart issue, giving is a heart issue. A person who is clinging to their stuff and not being generous, their heart is not open and available to receive the peace and joy that God gives. You see how this works? When we're here, we're not able to receive the blessings God has. They're too preoccupied. It's not like God doesn't want to bless that person. It's that their capacity to receive his blessing has actually been diminished. That their heart is actually unable to receive his blessings because they're more focused on themselves. Boston College did a fascinating study recently of of, um, people whose fortunes exceeded $25 million. Okay, so we're talking wealthy people here. Study of wealthy people, very wealthy people. Asking them to speak candidly about their lives. And the result was a surprising litany of anxieties. They were worried about money. They worry about losing it. They worry about where their money is invested. They worry about not having enough. Most of them felt that they just needed about 25% more wealth to really feel secure. One researcher observed that as the zeros increase, their anxiety increases. See, this is not just the dilemma of the very wealthy. This is all of our struggle. No matter how much we have, we fear not having enough. We fear losing what we have. And so, so, so often fear is what keeps us from being generous. And the impact is huge. See, when life is all about spending and getting more and more for ourselves and, and for our comfort and our security, when, when that's what our lives are more and more about, our capacity to receive blessings from God actually decreases our capacity to receive blessings from God decreases our ability to experience joy and contentment and freedom and peace decrease while our capacity for worry and fear increases see this passage in luke 6 isn't providing a formula for the health wealth prosperity gospel at all it's providing a spiritual mri of our hearts right? That's what it's doing. It's showing us whether or not our hearts are growing through generosity and then able to receive more of God's blessing and peace and joy in life, or whether our hearts are shrinking with fear and self-centeredness and thus unable or less able to experience God's blessing. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, so how do we break through this fear and grow in our experience of generosity. Well, Jesus shows us that tucked into this verse is a powerful principle. We have a principle each of the next three weeks. This is the first principle. Powerful practice that can help us grow in generosity. Here's the principle. It's the principle of first. The principle of first. Notice the order of Jesus' words. Give, and it will be given to you. There is a priority Jesus establishes in our giving. Notice he doesn't say, wait until you accumulate a certain amount and then you're free to give, right? Wait until you're feeling secure and comfortable with your salary or savings or whatever and then give. No, no, Jesus makes it clear that giving is to come first. Our giving to God. Is to be a priority. Now, this principle of first as it relates to generosity, it is something that is all over the place in the Bible. It is all over the place. And and, and check out what King Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Look at this. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, we see this amazing, in verse 10, this amazing, abundant kind of heart of God to bless us, right? But notice, we hold the key. We hold the key to experience these blessings. They happen as a result of us choosing to honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all our crops. Now that this was written in an agrarian society where farming and crops were how they made a living, right? And so the first fruits represented the best of their crops. God says this in Exodus 23. Bring the best of the first fruits, almost some redundancy there just to make sure we get the point, the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. See, this is establishing the issue, the principle of priority, of putting God first in our finances. Now, one thing we've got to understand, this is so important. This is not about God wanting to be first okay? It's not about God wanting to be first. When we say God, oh, God really wants to be first, it almost sounds like God is insecure. He really needs you to make him first, right? You know, he, need, he desperately wants you to put him first, and you're like, I assure you, God is not needy or insecure. The, the issue here is not about what God needs, that God needs to be first. He is first already. He is preeminent. He is our creator, He will not, and he cannot take second place to anyone or anything. So this command to give to him first, to give him the first fruits is not about what God needs. It's a command for us. It is a command for us to align our hearts with this reality that is already true in the universe. God already is first. The question is, are we going to align our lives with that which is already true in the universe? See, we can either choose to honor him as first or not to honor him as first. But his status doesn't change either way. His status doesn't change either way. What changes is on our end. That's what changes is on our end. See, putting God first in any area of our lives opens a door for his blessing. Jesus said it so powerfully in Matthew 6 where he was talking about us not worrying about clothes and and all that food and all this stuff. So here was his answer to our fears about this stuff. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. There's the principle. Seek first his kingdom. God is to be first in how we use our money. Our giving to him is to be our priority in our financial lives. As Proverbs 3, 9 points points out, when we do this, when we give God of our best, when we give of our first fruits, we honor him as Lord. We honor him as creator. We honor him as Lord of our lives. And when we don't do this, we dishonor him. We dishonor him. Now you may be thinking, boy, that's really strong language. It's maybe too strong a language to use, but it's it, it's actually the language God uses. This is the language God uses. Look at Malachi chapter 1, which is the final book of the Old Testament. We see in this passage the priests and the The people were technically, they were giving God gifts. They were bringing sacrifices, they were giving gifts to God. Um, So on paper, they looked generous. But they were actually, what they were really doing was they were looking at their livestock and they were picking out the one that kind of limped a little bit or maybe the one that was, uh, you know, weak or whatever, injured. They picked out those and those were the ones that they brought to God. So, So what was their motivation in doing that? Well, it could have been two things: one, just greed, wanting more for themselves, or it could have been fear. I mean, if I give God my best, the best cattle, if I give God the first and best of my crops, what will happen if there's a market downturn, right? What what will happen? I I can't because of that. I can't give God my best. I gotta protect my future. So whether it was greed or fear as the motivation, the result was the same. They gave God the weak. And the lame, in other words, they gave God their leftovers. And here's how God felt about that. Verse eight, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Notice what he's saying. If you had someone famous, think of the most famous person that's alive right now, that you would love to, to meet. Let's say that person, if let's say they were coming to your home for a meal, someone you admired, someone you respected, would you serve them last Thursday's meatloaf, you know? Would you be pulling out cans of fruit cocktail, you know, to give them? No. This stuff's nasty, right? I mean, I don't know who eats that stuff, but no, no you, you, you would want to give them your best as a way to honor them, right? As a way to honor them. See, when, when we only give to God after we have spent money on everything we want, we're giving him leftovers. We're not honoring him as Lord. We're basically saying to him, look, everything else in our lives is, it's really more important than you. Our house and our car and our student loan and our hunting equipment and our trip to Disney World and our, our iPhone, you know, getting the most recent iPhone or whatever, and our, our, our retirement plan and all these things. And none of those are evil. I'm just saying what we're saying is all those things are our priority. And after we've spent money on all of that, if we have anything left over, we give it to God. But what is clear from the passage we just read is that God doesn't want our leftovers. He doesn't want our leftovers. They're an insult to him. Why? Because they reveal a heart that is not putting him first. A heart that is ruled by either greed or fear rather than love and trust. See, he doesn't need our money. (laughs) He doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. So giving to God first is a tangible way to honor him and trust him as Lord. I mean, we can say all day long, God comes first in my life. We can sing of his lordship with wonderful songs until we're blue in the face. But, 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 but the, the real question is, do our finances reflect his lordship? Do we give priority to giving to him? This is not an ethereal question. It's really not. It's pretty simple to answer. Take an honest look at your spending the last month. Or, or your checking account this past year? Does your spending, does my spending reflect a heart that is choosing to put God first? So statistics reveal um, that, that Christians in America, this is just in America, Christians on average give away less than 3% of their income. So it's about 2.7%, which is actually about what non-believers give as well. It's very interesting. Um, So what conclusions would an objective person draw from that? These people who claim to be loving and following Jesus as Lord of their lives spend more than 97% of their income on themselves. See, from God's perspective, this is not a minor, insignificant issue. From God's perspective, this is a foundational issue for any follower of Jesus, who comes first in your finances, in my finances? See, the answer to that question has huge ramifications in terms of our experiencing the abundance and blessing of God. So the critical question is, how do we put God first in this area? How do we do this? How, how, how do we open the door for this pressed down, shaken together, running over experience of God's blessing? The answer is pretty simple. It's not easy, not necessarily easy, but it's, it's simple simple. You start giving to God first. You just start giving to God first. As you lay out your budget, generosity to God is the first item. It's at the top of the list. It's it's the non-negotiable. Before your house payment, car payment, credit card payment, student loan, retirement savings, your giving to God comes first. Now, this is one of the things that I personally love about online giving because it enables me to put my giving to God first. It's, it's not dependent upon my memory, which would be really bad. Um, uh, so, so I can set it up so that my gift to God automatically comes out of my account. Um, I might do that with all sorts of other things that are important that I need to pay on time, right? Um, I do that all, all why, why not with my giving to God? Now, some of you may be thinking, um, yeah, look, I understand this principle. I, I've heard it, I, I know this, i have understood. I understand this principle of putting God first, but I, but I, really, I just can't afford to do that right now. I can't afford to do that right now. I'm not making my ends meet. I'm not making ends meet. I'm, I'm in debt. I'm really struggling financially. And look, I hear you. I hear you. I have been there. And I, I, I believe in these situations, God especially wants us to hear his invitation. And here's his invitation to us. Trust me. Put me first in this area. Even when it doesn't make sense put me first in this area. We can go through this together, but let me lead. That's what he's saying. <laughs> let me lead. Now, I realize we can experience a lot of shame um, in this area um, for past spending decisions, things that, you know, credit card, whatever, credit card debt, all this stuff. There's a lot of shame. And that's one of the reasons it's hard to kind of talk about this stuff in church because it's very personal. We're not about shame here. This message, this is not about shame. I have made really bad decisions financially. We we all have a story like that. This is not about shame. We just want to help you. We want to help you get this area in line with God's heart. So we have Financial Peace University class. The next one's in January. Um, We also have someone who can sit down with you and just look at your budget, help you kind of think through kind of some things. You can call the church office and we can help set that up. But the, the, the foundational principle for experiencing abundant blessings from God is the principle of first. It's the principle of first. Honoring God with our best. Making our giving to him and his purposes a priority. This decision, by the way, it forces us to face the issue of fear that we just talked about a moment ago. It forces us to face this issue of fear. This fear of not having enough. Whatever age we're at, we all battle this fear. This fear. I battle this fear. We all battle this. Even these people with twenty-five million dollars—they oh, just had twenty-five percent more. Then I'd really feel safe and secure. What a lie that is! If they had twenty-five percent more, guess what? They would still be afraid, right? So we we all we all wrestle with this. But this principle, what I what's so powerful about this principle is that it forces us to face that fear head-on, because that fear is going to keep it will keep us from experiencing the blessings Jesus promises in Luke six. We'll just keep waiting. We'll just keep waiting i 'll start giving after I graduate from college that 's when you know i 'm in college right now and I, you know Carly make is i 'll start giving when, when I graduate from college and then it's no i 'll start giving after I get married, which quickly becomes well we 'll start giving after our kids are out of the home right um, and then when they 're out of the home, guess what we 're facing college costs so we 'll start giving once they graduate from college oh oh you know th- th- then it's we don't really have enough to save for retirement, so let's start, we'll start giving after we retire. Do you see what happens? We end up living our entire lives in a place of fear and lack rather than a place of faith and blessing. Our whole lives can go by before we know it. We have missed this blessing, these blessings God promises because it's always oh if we just had at that point we're just we're always waiting to wade into this fear is what keeps us from that and that's why this principle of first so powerful so transformative it it it, it invites us to trust God with something that's really really important to us I mean can we all admit uh, money is kind of important you know uh, m- money it, and the reason it's important is that it represents our comfort it represents our security it represents our future in some respects. Which is why God says, look, put me first. Put me first in that area and watch me take care of you. Let me be your ultimate security and comfort and future. Okay, now that's all, that's all great. That's all great. But, but how do we know God will come through? I mean, this, this is a big deal. How do we know God will come through? How do we know we can trust him? Well, here's how we know. God gave his best to us, right? Jesus wasn't his leftovers. Jesus was his best, his one and only perfect son. God gave his best to us because he loves us. I mean, when we reflect upon that, when we just reflect upon that amazing gift given to us, we can't help but want to trust him right? We, we can't help but want to give to him our best. And at the heart of this decision, it really is love. That's what it's at the heart of it. It's a, de, it's, it's a decision to love, a decision to love this God who loves us abundantly. And, 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 and he just keeps wanting to pour out abundant blessings upon his children. That's what Jesus promises. Again, this is just Jesus' words, Luke six thirty-eight. That's what he promises. That's what he promises. I wish we could take a mic. It would be really fun to take a mic and go around and just have several, uh, several people here share stories. And I know they're here in this room. Share stories of how you've seen this at work in your life. How you made a decision to put God first in your giving, even when it didn't make sense financially, or how you gave sacrificially to some vision or some opportunity, and how God poured out his provision and, and joy and blessing. I'm, there are many stories in this room. I just want to share one that I've lived, Raylene and I experienced recently. Um, Three and a half years ago, when our church was launching the For the City and Beyond campaign, uh, Raylene and I began praying about how God would want us to give to that. And we were already tithing 10% to this church, which we've done for years and we love to do. We both wholeheartedly believe that the priority of our giving should go to the church we attend and love and are receiving benefit from. For us, that's a non-negotiable. We love Christ's community, and we love investing in what God is doing here. We believe in this vision, love investing in it. So our 10% 10 tithe um, is committed to this church. But when this campaign happened, we were challenged to ask God how he would want us to maybe give over and above that um, and the other missionaries that we support. So as we prayed, a couple of ideas. We were just trying to get some ideas, praying what, what ideas that came to mind where we could give to this campaign. one idea had to do with a monthly mortgage payment that had ended. And so we just, let's just put that amount into this into this commitment. So that was one thing. But the, another idea, a second idea involved a 2002 car that I had been driving. Um, we had been thinking about getting a newer car for me. Um, and, and so we decided to take whatever we would have spent on a newer car and donate that amount to the campaign, right? And then we would just keep driving this old car. Um, I would keep driving the older car for a few more years. And so we added $15,000 to the total amount that we pledged um, from these other areas as well. Well, about two and a half years into this uh, campaign, we were uh, quite honestly feeling a little bit of the challenge uh, from the commitment we had made. And it it was stretching us, and at times stretching our faith. And honestly, in my darker moments, I did wonder, should we have really made that size of a commitment? Um, and so, so in the midst of that, I, I took my 16-year-old car into the, the car dealership for another repair. Um, we're on a first-name basis there, because uh, I had taken it in so many times. Um, and as I walked up to the counter, everyone sort of stopped what they were doing, and they looked at me, which is kind of weird. Um, and so I handed my keys to Ryan, um, the head of the service department, and he, he said, you won't be needing these anymore. And he handed me the keys to a new car, way nicer than anything I would have ever purchased. A brand new CRV, and he he said, the person who did this for you wants to remain anonymous, but they wanted you to enjoy a blessing from God, because you've blessed a lot of people. And then he said, and they wanted, he, he specifically, this person wanted to specifically say, They wanted to put a smile on your face every time you got in this car. And I can attest that that happens almost every time I get in this car. I do love it. Uh, I love it. But the smile, the smile is way more than simply an enjoyment of this car. It, It is a smile that comes from this continual, tangible reminder that when we give when we step out in faith and open our heart to greater generosity, God loves to pour out blessing. Sometimes it might be financial blessing like that example, which has never happened in my life. It doesn't happen all, me time, happen all the time to me. It doesn't, okay? Some, but sometimes it, it may be an unexpected gift, an unexpected bonus. But other times, you know what? It is just simply the joy and the peace that come from knowing God comes first in your life. Honestly, even if I was still driving that 2002 CRV, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade the joy and peace that God has given Raylene and May in our journey with Him when we have chosen to put Him first in our finances. I don't know where you are at in your generosity journey. I don't know what your financial situation looks like, but I do know. I do know you can trust this God who has given you his best. You can put him first in your finances, and you will not regret it. You will not regret it. Amen. All right, let's pray together. So, Jesus, we ask you to speak to each one of us about this area of our lives. You know where we're at, Lord. You know what's going on internally. And what this is stirring in us. And and we just, we we thank you. You know us. You know our hearts. And you know our desire. I want to say this. Lord, you know our desire to grow in this. All of us here, we want to grow in our generosity. So thank you for placing that desire in us. So I want us to take a moment, as we often do in our services here, just for the Lord to speak to us. Sometimes in prayer. Um, we, we give opportunity in our prayer time here just to engage our right brain, our imagination to help us hear God speak to us and apply his word. And so there's no pressure, but if you're willing, I, I want to invite you to close your eyes and to imagine that Jesus is standing in front of you with a heart of love towards you. Just imagine that because it's true. The Bible says it's true. So now I want you to imagine you're sitting at a desk and on that desk in front of you is all your financial stuff, bills, mortgage payment, checking accounts, savings, credit card statements. It's all just right in front of you as you're sitting at this desk. And what are you feeling as you look at that? Maybe it feels heavy, maybe it feels overwhelming, maybe maybe there's a sense of excitement and anticipation, but what are you feeling as you just look at your financial situation? So are you willing to say, Jesus? I want you to be first in this area of my life. Would you come near me and help me do that? And just let him do what he wants to do. Jesus, would you help us put you first in this area of our lives to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all these things will be provided for and added as well. Would you help us grow in our generosity towards you and your work? And may you use us to further impact people for you, and as you promise in your word, both of these things to enable us to experience more fully your abundant blessings, God. So we pray you'd help us apply this principle. You, you, you are worthy of this, of being first in every area of our lives. And we want that to be the case in this area as well, Lord. If it hasn't been, help us. Put you first. Thank you, Lord. So, we want to discontinue in this environment of response. Um, we're going to be singing songs of worship to the Lord. You maybe are still reflecting on some things, and in that imagination exercise, you can remain seated. Others of you may want to stand and sing. Or the stairs to my right and left, you can come up and just kneel before the Lord. You can receive prayer. giving stations around the room if God's prompting your heart with a specific response this is just an opportunity to respond to this God who deserves our best he deserves our worship so we love you Jesus we worship you thank you for giving your all for us set us free to respond to you to worship